area participate in where we house homeless families uh, for periods of time. And it's a program that's designed to get them back up on their feet again. And it works really well. And we are hosting families starting tonight, uh, hosting families for the next two weeks. We uh, request, so basically what we need is volunteers to spend the night over with the families um, and just bless them, be with them, encourage them. Uh, and uh, so if you are interested in that, it's fairly easy to do, but you need to talk to Mike Jip. Mike, raise your hand. Where's Mike? There he is. Or Debbie Wortham, but Debbie Wortham's not here today. So if you want to help out this week, you have to talk to Mike Jip. Go talk to him after service, and we'd love to, to have you help us out. Uh, another thing I want to say is that we are uh, having, after church today, a hospitality team meeting. We tried to do it two weeks ago, but some people were sick and blah, 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 blah. So we're going to do it today. After church, if you would like to be a greeter or a counter or an usher, we really could use your help. So after church, hey, Lupe, ah, Dios te bendiga. Uh, please stay after church, and uh, we're going to feed you, and we're going to talk with you about what it would take for you to help us out in ushering. And did I mention we're going to feed you? So after church, <laughs> meet me in the foyer, and we'll go downstairs uh, uh, together. Uh, next, this week on Wednesday night, we are canceling our Wednesday night service. We are going to be at Glen Eden Beach. Glen Eden Beach Christian Church at 7 p.m. Uh, we're having 50 days of prayer uh, through the community. So different churches every week are hosting uh, different days. So if you are interested, show up at Christian, uh, Glen Eden Christian Church at 7 p.m. on Wednesday. We will not be meeting here for our regular Wednesday night. Okay? Uh, and the other reason why we're not meeting here for our Wednesday night is that I will also be out of town. Amy and I and the fam are traveling this week to Nashville. It is, uh, yeah, it is a national convention for our denomination. So this is a part of the Foursquare denomination. If you don't know what that is, talk to me afterwards. We can go over it. Um, and uh, basically, we have a lot of Foursquare family churches all over the place. And every year, we meet once a year to have a convention and to talk. And this year, uh, it's going to be a big one because uh, every 10 years, we elect a new president of our denomination, and that's happening this year. So you can be praying for that as well. There are two people on the candidate list. Uh, one is Tammy Dunahoo. She is the vice president uh, right now. Or she's the president of U.S. right now in Foursquare. Um, and the other is Randy Remington. He is the senior pastor at Beaverton Foursquare uh, here in Oregon. So those two people are on the ballot. Uh, please pray that we uh, vote well. Every licensed minister gets a vote, so I get a vote. And I think I'm 99.9% sure who I'm going to be voting for, but you can pray that I make the right decision anyways because there's always 0.01% chance that I, um, I won't vote for that person. But anyways, I won't tell you who I'm voting for, but I will say that she's a stellar person. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we will be actually gone this next week. And uh, so uh, this next Sunday, we are having a potluck. It should say May 26th. Thank you for pointing that out. should say May 26th. It says May 29th. This Sunday we have a potluck. Bring a potluck dish to share. Uh, we always have fun. We're going to hear from Chuck Cherry Holmes. Uh, he's going to be preaching the sermon. Yeah. And so we're excited about that. So I, even though I will not be here, I'll be praying for you guys. and I'll be praying for Chuck. Uh, and have some fun. Eat some food after church for me um, while I'm in Nashville. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. It's so, such a pleasure that you're here uh, with us today. Let's pray, and let's get into the Word. I have a Word I want to share with you guys this morning. So let's just uh, let's come before God. 
Lord, we quiet ourselves before you. And God, right now, I just pray, Lord, if there's anything on my heart, anything on anyone here's heart that would stop us from hearing uh, what you have for us this morning, would you give us the grace and the mercy that we need to move past that, Lord, and to enter into your presence and say, God, speak to us. Lord, reign in us through your word. Uh, Let us receive what you have for us this morning. In your name, Lord, amen. Amen. So we've been in this short sort of mini-series on 1 Corinthians, and today we're going to round it out with the rest of 1 Corinthians 12. So if you want to open up your Bible to 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to be covering quite a, uh, a bit of the... Oh, Casey, they're on the other side. Are you looking for Bibles? They're on the other side. Oh, you have one there. Oh, good. There are extra Bibles on that side in the library if you want one. Uh, so we're going to be rounding out. I'm looking at verses 30, uh, 12 through 31, which is a chunk but you can do it, and I know you can. So, I'm going to break it up like I did last week. We're going to read a little section. I'm going to talk about it. Read a little section and talk about it and see what God has for us, all right? Okay. Let's start with verses 12 through 14. I'm going to go ahead and read this. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit... We were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Who was baptized into the body and made to drink of one spirit? Who was it? That's not a rhetorical question. Who was that that Paul said? We, yeah, we, good job. We all, we all were baptized into one body. We all were made to drink of one spirit. We are the church, all of us here together. Uh, if you, you are not a Christian, you don't know Lord, the Lord Jesus is your Savior, we want to encourage you to uh, find out about that because he has something for you. But if you do know Jesus is your Savior, you are a part of this body. You're part of the church. And when I say a part of this church, I don't mean uh, New Life Foursquare Church. I do in a sense, but I mean the church, as in the, the entire church, the universal, the holy universal church is what I mean. And no one is the church by themselves. No one gets to be the church by themselves. In fact, Scripture is very clear that you need two or three kind of two or three people with you to be the church together. Church is about being together. In a few weeks, we're going to celebrate Pentecost. Uh, that's the beginning of June, and uh, we're going to be celebrating it here. We're privileged to host the Ministry Association. We'll be coming here and celebrating Pentecost on, on that Sunday night. And Pentecost is the day when, if you read in Acts 2, it's the day when the Holy Spirit descended upon the church. Okay, So if you don't know that story, just log it away. I'm going to read Acts 2 today. Uh, If you read Acts 2, you read about how the Holy Spirit came and descended upon the church after Jesus had ascended to the Father. And that was sort of the founding, the beginning of the church. That was when the Holy Spirit kind of came and established us as the body of Christ, as his, uh, as the Lord's representatives on earth. And, uh, you know, we just celebrated 40 years as a church a few weeks ago. So this Pentecost will be celebrating about 1,971 years of being the church, um, which is awesome to think about. Uh, You know, we've had people here uh, for the last 40 years. The Kleins uh, have been here almost since day one in our church. But nobody is alive today 
who was here 1,971 years ago when our church was founded. That means that throughout the generations, if you think about that, throughout generations and generations and generations of people, this movement, this faith, this body has been passed down, transmitted to the next generation. Your parents taught it to you, your grandparents taught it to them, and great-grandparents to them, and great-great-grandparents, and on and on and on and on, all the way back to Jerusalem where 120 people sat in a room waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. We are the church. This is us. This is our family. You are the church. And just like a body has many members, it's got fingers and toes and elbows and all sorts of stuff going on, but it's one body. So the same thing is for you. I mean, you weren't here 1,900 years ago, and you weren't here, you know, 200 years ago, but you're all a part of one body. You're all members of one body. And when we read in Acts 2 about the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost, it says this. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. It doesn't say that they all looked the same or dressed the same or thought the same. It said they were all together in one place. It doesn't say that they enjoyed each other's company. You think about that. Have you ever been in a room of 120 people? I guarantee, I bet you, I bet you dollars to buttons. If you're in a room of 120 people, there's going to be at least one person in that room you would not enjoy being with on a regular basis. Can you think of even 12 people who you could say, absolutely, positively, every day of my life, I would want to be around every single one of these 12 people? You know, don't do that now, <laughs> especially if you're sitting next to your spouse, you know. But... Uh, 120 people all gathered together. You know there's going to be tension in that group. You know there's going to be people who believe one thing and who believe another. Man, we got less than 100 people in this room, and I guarantee you that there's people in this room who disagree with one another. But they were all together in one place. They didn't all agree with one another. They weren't all thinking the same or talking the same. But they were all together in one, in one place. We get on each other's nerves. We disagree about politics and theology and sports teams and what you should be doing with your leisure time. The point is, they were all together in one place. And brothers and sisters, it's so good to be here with you and to see all of you here together in one place. I'm not asking that you all get along and get nice with one another. I'm just asking that we all realize that like Paul says, into one spirit we were baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, Hawaiians or Africans, Mexicana, or Chinook, slaves or free, poor or rich, male, female, young or old, we were all made to drink of one spirit together in one body. And like I said last week, I put a heavy emphasis on the idea that the gifts of the spirit were never meant to be lived out uh, in your own personal and for your own personal use. They're meant to be used for other people. So at the same time, Paul says here, that the body does not consist of one member, but of many, and you need all parts of your body. We are the church. Let's read verses 15 to 18. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole, eye, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were hearing, 
Where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. I don't want to spend a lot of time focusing on Paul's metaphor of the body because I think that sometimes we can, we can read this and take it a little bit too far. You know, people are like, oh, I'm the hand because I serve and I'm the foot because I, I'm a missionary. And it's like, okay, well, that's taking the metaphor a little bit too far because who's going to claim to be the bile, right? And like, what is the blood, you know? So you, you got to leave the metaphor where the metaphor is, okay? And just, we're just going to take it as it is. We're going to try to understand what Paul is exactly trying to communicate to us. And what Paul is trying to communicate is really in present in verse 18. That's really the point of his passage where he says, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he chose. When you were born, did you come out of the womb and say, yeah, I think I'd like to have two hands and ten, ten or so fingers, you know. I'd like my hair to be this color and I would like three eyes, and I would like, no, you don't get that choice. That's not a choice that you have. God has so arranged your body to be as it is, uh, to be as it is. And so in the same way, God has arranged our body. You're not here by accident. You're here on purpose. Every one of you is here on purpose. He chose you. Did you know God has a purpose for your life? He has a meaning for your life. You're not just a bunch of random atoms strung along, moving forward through space. God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Let's live out our purposes, church. When we start living out the purpose that God has for us, when we start functioning as healthy members of the same body, that's when we see God beginning to do wonderful things among us. And notice that Paul uses the illustration of the body being many different parts, but all a part of the same being. Right? It doesn't do any good if one of your feet want to go that way and the other one wants to go that way. Right? That's not helpful. Okay? If your left hand would like to eat but your right hand would like to shave, that can get very complicated. Okay? So you're a part of one body. That means you move in one accord. It means you move in one direction. All right? In the same way, we need to be, as a body, moving in one accord. Like a symphony. Everybody's playing their own instruments, but together... We sound something different. Something different arises out of the noise of all of us because we're all moving in one accord, right? If you had a symphony and the violins were tuned to an F and the bass was tuned to an E and the, you know, everybody was tuned to different notes, maybe you're not a musician, but it would sound terrible. Just leave it at that. You've never heard that before. Do you know why? Because it sounds terrible. And musicians don't do that because it sounds awful. So as a body, we need to be tuned to the same frequency so that we can move together when we're working out our gifts. So what does that mean? How does that play out? And I want to give you a kind of an illustration uh, and, and uh, sort of some, some ways that we can kind of move through this together. So I am somebody who I love, uh, if you think about spiritual gifts, prophecy is one of the spiritual gifts that God has given me. And um, I don't... You know, there's other spiritual gifts I've exercised, but prophecy is the one that I've seen most consistently that he exercises in me. So I don't know if you have your own gifting. Uh, some people say, I, I have a gift in this. I had a professor once that she said, I have a gifting in teaching. And so she just, she taught well, and she, but she had never trained for that. She'd been a, an engineer for three quarters of her life and then just felt like God was calling her to teach, and then she became a wonderful professor. And she's actually head of theology at Columbia University right now. Uh, so she's doing really well. 
Um, but each of us has a gift, right? And I, so I exercise in the prophetic often. It's not to, you know, always, but often. So what happens now if I'm standing here and I have a prophetic word, what do I do? Right? How, how do I, yeah, yeah, sure, I'll tell you. But what happens if I have a prophetic word? How do, I, how do I move in one accord? How do I work my instrument out? How do I work out my gifting while still moving in one accord with everyone else? Mike has an idea? Love, yes, absolutely. Absolutely, I have to present in love, right? I have to present in love. And we're going to get to that also. We're going to get to that also because that is the greatest way. But if I have a prophetic gifting and I'm hearing from God and I have a prophetic word, this is what I do. Uh, first thing I do is, and this is just me personally, by the way, but it's just advice. The first thing I do is I ask God, is this for myself or is this for another person? Sometimes God gives me a word and just says, this is just for you. I want you to hear this. Sometimes he gives me a word for one other person. You know, he'll give me a word for Stan or something and I'll say, I need to go talk to Stan about this important word that I feel like God is giving me for stand. Sometimes it'll be for uh, somebody that I, I don't quite know very well, so I have to, you have to approach in love very carefully, that sort of situation, and say, look, can I share with you something that I feel like God is impressing upon me? Um, you know, so be kind, be in love with one another. But you may think to yourself, this isn't a word just for me, this is a word for the, for the body. This word needs to be shared with the body. So now what's the next step? What do you do? Come and find somebody, an elder or myself, a pastor, and share the word with us. Because here's the thing. Sometimes somebody will say, I have a word, and I'll say, oh my goodness, I'm preaching on that same thing. Can I have you come up at this point in the sermon to give that word? Because it's going to be most powerful if it hits right here. Okay? Or maybe I'll say, oh, you know what? That word is awesome. We need that word right now. Or I could say, that word sounds awesome, but it, I do not see how that moves with how the Spirit is already moving through the service. Can we save that word? Maybe next week would be an appropriate time to, keep, to say that word. Okay. The point is that we're moving in one accord. Yes? Moving in one accord. And uh, as somebody, who, like I said, who sometimes operates in the prophetic, that's something I have to keep my eye out for. How is God moving? So that's a way that we can do this. Right, practical way. It's not about uh, making everybody, you know, controlling the spirit. It's about moving in one accord and allowing you to work out your giftedness in our body. Verses 19 through 27. Let's move on. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it, were, as it is, there are many members and yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the members of the body that we think are less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body. Listen, there he says it again. God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. And if one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and, and members of it. Now, here's the other side of the coin. Okay. Back in the 1970s, there was an uh, idea called um, the homogenous unit principle. 
Does anybody ever know? Do you, do you know what this is? The homogeneous unit principle? Okay. It's, what's that? Sounds like, yes, it does kind of sound like an ingredient in margarine. The homogeneous unit principle. Let me tell you what the homogeneous unit principle was. It was a founding uh, church growth philosophy in the 1970s, late 1970s. That continued on until probably today in, in many respects, but until recently it's kind of become a little bit less. And the idea was this. People like to be around people that are like themselves. So if you want to grow your church, you pick a demographic of people and you grow the church by inviting those people. Now, you don't tell people that aren't that demographic not to come to your church, but you focus on one specific kind of person, a specific economic place, a specific uh, race, a specific gender, uh, a specific language of who you're going to focus on. Gender, not so much, because you need both. But a specific language group, a specific kind of person, culture of person that you want to focus on, and that's how you grow your church. And that's how... Willow Creek grew, and that's how a lot of the big mega churches that we see today, that's how they grew, was the homogenous unit principle, because people like to be around people that are like themselves. Okay. Now, here's the problem, right, that, and I think a lot of pastors justified this in their minds because they thought, if we have a big church, that means we'll be saving a lot of people, and that that is, uh, that's the ultimate good. And, and I, I can respect somebody wanting I, I don't think that they meant to be malicious. But here's what you end up with. You end up with churches. That everybody looks the same. Everybody talks the same. Everybody has the same ideas. And that's not a body with hands and legs and toes and noses. That's an eye or a leg. you know. And, and you miss something when you make the decision that everybody needs to think the same and look the same and talk the same you're going to miss something when you, you cut people out who are necessary to your body. So that's the flip side of what Paul is saying. You have to move in one accord. You're all part of the same body. One body has to move in one accord. And the flip side is, don't you be excluding people because they don't look and talk and act the same way that you do because you need them as a part of your body. You are incomplete without them. When he says here, those who you think are weaker. Not those who are weaker. Those who you think are weaker are actually indispensable to you. Right? Do you notice that? Those who you perceive as weaker. Because that's how what we do, isn't it? Sometimes somebody will come in and they'll, they'll say something that we don't quite agree with. Or they'll, they'll look a certain way and we'll say, that person is weaker. They seem weaker. But to God, they are not weaker. And in fact, to your body, they are indispensable. Why are they indispensable? Because without them, you're missing something. You're incomplete. Without them, you're missing something vital. Because the point is not to have a big church. The point is to have a healthy church. The point is not to, to put, you know, to fill chairs. Okay. The point is we are a body and we need every single person. So just like in love, we need to move in one accord with one another. So also in love, we need to give preference to one another to allow people to be in here. All right? And that's hard to do. That's hard to do because sometimes the eye looks at the hand and says, what do I need a hand for? You know, I'm an eye. I can see things. Okay? Sometimes one part of our body will look at another part of our body and say, 
I don't, I don't see the need for you. You need them. Okay. We do not exclude people lightly. That is something, uh, you know, we talk about, sometimes we talk about excommunication. And I have my own perspective on that. Um, and I think there's a healthy way to do excommunication. That's when you tell somebody, you know, you've got to leave the church. There's a healthy way to do that. There's a reason to do that. But I don't take that lightly. That is not something we take lightly because you never want to, out of an abundance of caution, cut off your own hand. Okay? Never want to cut off your own hand out of abundance of caution. So we take that very lightly. We take it seriously. Okay. Did I say that right? We don't take it lightly. We take it seriously. Thank you. There we go. My tongue is not aligning with the rest of my body. Let's move on. Verses 28 through 31. <clears throat> And God has appointed in the church. First, now, can I just make an observation? How many times is Paul saying, now God has? A lot. You hear that a lot? God has arranged the body. God has put the members of the body. God has arranged the church. God has done this. God has done that. Man, sometimes I feel like we're so excited to, you know, control things that we miss out on the fact that God has done this. Sometimes I, you know, I grew up in Seattle, and like there's areas where my dad was a gardener. I love gardening. Right now I'm thatching and reseeding my lawn, and it's, aw- it's going to be awesome. I'm, I'm hoping next spring that it's going to be lush and full. I'm taking all the moss out. It's hard work. Getting a workout, it's good for my body. It's good for the lawn. And I love it because I get this thing from my dad, from my Swedish side, which is like, I must control this. I must, I must optimize it. I must remove all indiscretions and make it all uh, beautiful and wonderful and, and uh, you know, it wanted to feel good under my feet and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, sometimes in Seattle, you know, I mean, I'm sure here too, you'll find people whose lawns are just like manicured, you know, and beautiful, gorgeous. And there's a, there's a place for that at times. But I, you know what I love the most about Seattle? There's a park called Carkeek Park. And Carkeek Park is this big, sprawling park uh, in Seattle, in the north end of Seattle. And it's sort of like hidden away a bit. If you don't know the entrance to it, you wouldn't see it because there's no, not a lot of roads that go into it. So you have to kind of find the entrance to it. But once you get down into the park, there's some areas that are like for play areas, but then there's huge stretches of just forest it, right in the middle of Seattle. And I love that so much because there's something beautiful about allowing nature to have its own way instead of always trying to, you know, get my own little spot of grass perfectly manicured. And again, like I said, that's who I am too. I got a part of my life right now, come to my house and see my lawn, right? I'm, I'm working on it. But there's a part of me that says, and there's a part of me that looks at the church like that. There's parts of me that say, yes, we want to get certain things in line. How many of you guys know it's a good thing to have our finances in line as a church? Amen. Amen. Yeah, the rest of you, I'm noting who you are who didn't raise your hand because I'm not asking you to be on business council. <laughs> You do not have an invitation to join business council. Everybody who raised their hand has an invitation. No, uh, no. but having our finances in line, that's a good thing. It's a good to thing to be that. But when we extend that to all aspects of the church, right, ah, it's got to be just right. Okay. Then it becomes more about how we are creating and arranging the body than how God is creating and arranging the body. Of course, there has to be uh, limitations. There's always limitations. There's always, there's always banks to the river, but the river is wide. We shouldn't narrow it down to a stream. It'll trickle. All right? Amen. You receive that? Yeah. Amen. Good. All right, let's keep on reading. This is verse uh, 28 again. 
And now God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then deeds of power, then gifts of healing, forms of assistance, forms of leadership, various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But for the, strive for the greater gifts, and I will show you a, a more excellent way. The work of the church requires all of us. I think I've sort of made that point. Hopefully it's been driven into you quite a bit. There's a, did you know that I was looking at this online as an illustration? I thought it was so cool. Did you know that there's been 31,000, estimate 31,000 different languages spoken on this planet over the course of human history? 31,000. There's about 6,000 to 6,500 languages spoken today. And actually, we are losing languages at an alarming rate. If you're interested in that, sidetrack. If you're interested in that, National Geographic, other organizations are working to preserve languages because especially native languages right now are, are in uh, great danger of being lost. Um, and also, so we have, this is just a total tangent, but uh, the Chinook Winds Casino, I think, sponsors a language program uh, for this area. So if you're interested in that. Uh, but languages are, are dying, but there's been 31,000 languages spoken on our planet. And I have, a, I have an idea about languages. Here's an idea that I have. Why would there be so many languages? You know, and we go back to the Tower of Babel, but I think that God had a purpose for languages. Because I've studied enough languages now to know that each language has its own unique perspective on life. It's not just the words that are different. It's something about the syntax. It's something about the grammar of it where once you learn a new language, it's, like, it's a bit like learning a new, new sense of glasses for the world. It's a bit more so like the German language is like uh, everything, all the verbs are pushed to the end of the sentence. And it sort of like makes you, in English, all of our nouns are pushed to the end of the sentence. But in German, you know, verbs to the end of the sentence are pushed. So it kind of like, it just does something different to the way that you think and the way that you talk. My idea is that God had a reason for 31,000 different languages and each one of them has a unique perspective on God and on him. And each culture and each human uh, lens adds a little bit more to the painting, which is God's creativeness, a little bit more to creation, right? And now that's, that's a really interesting idea, okay, because... What that means is that when we gather together, we get to celebrate the different languages that are being spoken among us. How many of you guys speak another language? Anybody here speaks another language? What other languages do we have here present today? Any other languages today? What's it? Pig Latin. There you go, girl. You speak that out. Who has another? Yeah, Rody. We have some Spanish here today. What other languages do we have here today? Any other languages? Spanish and English. That's a big language. That's a lot. That's, that's good. I have a little bit of German. What's that? What is that? There you go. Yeah, Kukatsa. Yeah, there you go. Eins, zwei, drei. Each language has its own unique perspective. And we celebrate that together. We say, thank you, God, for languages. So everybody has something to contribute. Everybody has something to contribute. And... Uh, you know, I, I think that sometimes we kind of come up against a roadblock where we say, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I don't have the health, I don't have the uh, resources that's necessary to contribute. But let me just give you some practical advice. I think you can still contribute. 
I still think that you contribute. Like, here's an idea. It's just an idea for you. This is a freebie. If you say, you know what, Pastor, I want to contribute, but I don't see how I can. Do this. <coughs> Every Sunday, when you come to church, we have new people that come visit. We have visitors who come in here. Make it a point that you are going to personally greet every single visitor that you see in church that day. Give them a handshake, give them a smile, learn their name, learn where they're from. Guess what? That's a ministry. That's a ministry that we need. That's a ministry that we do well in, but it's a ministry that we need that's vital to us. That's something you can do. You're going to be here already, right? You don't have to go anywhere for it. Just come to church. Here's another ministry you can do. Uh, And I wasn't... didn't inform her I was going to be bragging on her. Can I brag on you a little bit, Christine? Thank you. Have you guys ever received a card from our church before for your birthday or anniversary? Did you know that that does not come from me? That comes from Christine. Christine. Christine writes out birthday cards and anniversary cards for people in our church. Yeah, can we give her a hand? Let's give her a hand for that. And if you've ever been blessed by that before like we have, then you'll know that that's, that's a ministry right there. All right? So it's not about, oh, I can't preach, so it means I can't be a minister. I can't play an instrument, that means I can't be a minister. Brothers and sisters, you can be a minister right now to the person next to you. Right? Because guess what? If everybody was preaching, who would send out anniversary cards? Yeah. And if everybody was a worship leader, who would greet our newcomers? And if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of smell be? Yeah. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of sight be? So we all need each other. And uh, Paul ends this section here. He says, are all apostles? And the, and the implied answer is no. If you, if you, by the way, I have a little bit of Greek too. So there's certain ways you can phrase a question in Greek where the assumption is a no. There's other ways you can, it's really kind of cool. In English, we do this with intonation. Are all apostles? Right? In Greek, you actually make a distinguish in the language. Are all apostles? No. Right? Are all teachers? No. Are all prophets? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all possess the gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. Wow. Oh. Uh oh. Yeah, what do you do with that? No, 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 not everybody does. Some people do, some people don't. And a little while ago, I had uh, the supreme honor of handing a task over to uh, Donna and Debbie. Um, they had a, a, an idea for uh, this side room here. This side room was the carpet was all messed up, and uh, we were basically storing ladders in there. And it was sort of like a catch-all room, you know. And uh, we were like, man, what are we going to do with this room? And so I approached Donna and Debbie, and I said, can you guys do something in this room? What would you do with it? And they started working on it. And I'm going to have uh, Donna come on up. And Steve, you can come up too. Uh, and Steve was helping out a lot. This is Steve. Did a lot of work in there. Come on up, guys. Come on up. And, uh, and we also had David Ramirez uh, helped out a lot as well. That's okay, David. You can stay there. That's all right. I, I just, sit down. Sit down, David. You don't have to come up. I do want to say, actually, why don't you stand up for a second? We're going to acknowledge these people right now. Can you give me a hand? Let's give me a hand. Thank you, guys. But I want to talk about something specific um, in the room. Oh, is this thing going to? There we go. Okay. Uh, something specific in the room, and that was that Donna uh, was in charge of decorating the room. And when I 
first, when she first finished decorating and I went in there and I saw this particular picture, thank you. And that's, I, that was my reaction too. I was like, whoa, there's a lot going on in that picture. And I, I thought to myself, man, I have no idea what's going on here. And uh, this is what I realized really quickly, that Donnie, Donna selected this picture and I needed to hear Donna's interpretation of this picture. So I invited Donna to come up and she's going to share with us the interpretation that she has for this picture. So let's all listen. Okay, thank you. I hope you guys don't mind. I took a few notes so I didn't miss some important points that I thought I wanted to make sure were included. What was that? Is that? Here, try this one instead, Donna. This one's a little bit louder. There you go. How's that? Better? So I took a few notes. I hope you don't mind. That way I wouldn't forget some of the important points. This is what I saw in this picture. Uh, how we position ourselves before God matters. Mm. And that's all she's doing. She's positioning her heart before God to receive. Mm. Expecting him to be there and yielding to his filling and refreshing. She's being filled from the Father's hands with living water. And that changes everything. That changes you, your outlook, your lifestyle. It even changes time. He can redeem the time. He even speeds up our spiritual growth when we spend time in prayer and worship. She's receiving peace, joy, restoration, freedom, deliverance, deliverance from oppression, from depression, from discouragement and anxiety, addictions, wounds. Many, many things can and do happen to us when we pray and worship. Even physical healing. Positioning ourselves before him to receive. She's being shaped and made whole. She's receiving new life. And you can see the... uh, butterflies out here, and they generally represent new life. And you can also see chains being broken. So that shows deliverance and freedom. Mm. And as far as the colors, um, for me, they're showing the beauty and the amazing things happening in the heavenlies. Even though we don't see them with our physical eyes normally, that's how it's seen in the spirit. Mm. Because he's called the father of lights. And then to sum it all up, this is a big part in my estimation of how we prepare ourselves to be his bride. It says in Revelation 19 that the bride has made herself ready. And just positioning ourselves to receive from him and let him do the work is, uh, yeah, how we, how we prepare ourselves. And, and it goes in, this picture is in the prayer room, what we're calling the prayer room. So it just represents... All that that encompasses to me. Yeah. Thank you, Donna. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you. Now, when I I was raised Presbyterian, and I'm a theologian, right? So I I like when I first saw it, I was like, "Whoa, my goodness, what is going on here?" Here's the thing: we don't all think the same, but God speaks to each one of us. So it is not appropriate for me to say 
because I don't understand this, it can't be a part of our body. Because there's someone here who has a gift of interpretation. Someone here who has a gift to interpret what this has for us. Okay, so the question is, are we going to allow someone to exercise their gift for the benefit of our body? Or are we going to say, because it doesn't make sense to me, we can't have it as a part of our body? Okay. So that's why we're, this is going to stay in the prayer room. And after, after Donna kind of gave me her uh, explanation of it, I went and sat for a lot longer and looked at it and kind of and prayed. And I said, because here's the thing, I needed her interpretation in order to understand this. And this is what I also, can I just add a little bit also to what God has been speaking to me about this? Because I looked up some of the other works that she did. And this kind of halo thing with the, with the rainbows, oftentimes the, the, the artist uses this uh, around Jesus uh, in, her, in her other paintings. Like if she's doing a picture of uh, Jesus or of a lion, you know, she'll put that around it. But here it's around this person, right? Not Jesus. And to me that really spoke about the fact that here and now this person, having received from the Father, is a representation of Jesus. Not the same as Jesus, but her aura has changed. Yeah, her aura has changed. So that's a little bit of kind of what I felt like God was speaking. You heard what God was speaking to Donna about. We need each other in our body. We would not have had this if we had not had Donna share her gift with us. So can we just thank Donna for her this? Can we just thank you for that? Thank you. Do all speak in tongues? No. Do all interpret the same way? No. But we need each other. Okay? If I'm going to grow, I need you in my life to challenge me, to help me, to help point out when I am, you know, being too straight-laced. I need you to help me. All right? I don't have it all. Just because I'm a pastor, I don't have it all. And you need me, hopefully. Hopefully you need me too. And we need each other in this body. So I'm, I have been really blessed uh, by Donna and by her contribution. So we're all in a process. We're all moving forward. And it, it's, uh, it's up to you as members of our body to move in one accord. It's up to you as members of our body to move in love with one another. When you have a gift to share, share it in love. Share it with one accord. Share it with others around you in love. And when you have uh, somebody who's offering you a gift, receive it in love. Okay? And what does that mean? Also, that means, and this is the tricky part, right? Because we are a family. And that means that there's going to be tensions at times. We need to be able to be cool with that. We need to work through our tension. Okay? We need to work through the tension that we have with each other. All right? That means if somebody, and, and this is, I guarantee you this is going to happen. Somebody's going to say, I have um, a, a message in tongues that I want to bring. So we're going to have them bring a message in tongues, and there's not going to be interpretation, and we're going to say, what do we do now? And we're going to have to say, well, I'm not sure. We'll have to try it again next time. Maybe they'll, we'll have an interpretation for this tongue next time. Uh, maybe it'll be more well-received. Thank you for sharing your gift. Thank you for stepping out in faith and for uh, doing what God put on your heart. So we receive that in love. Uh, we're going to try it again next time and, and work it out next time. Okay. That's a little bit of tension. That's a little bit uncomfortable. That's a little bit like, ooh, you know. Or what if somebody stands up and says, I have a word from God, and they give a word from God, but it's very unbiblical. Right? What are we going to do? We're going to just say, well, it's a word from God, so we'll just receive it. 
No, we're going to have to be a little bit tense and say, ah, you know what, I, I appreciate that word. I appreciate you standing up and giving that word. Have you thought about this passage, though? Because this passage seems to not go with that word. Can you help me understand what it is that you're trying to communicate to me? Okay, Because we need each other to help each other along. Yes? Okay, good. So, yes, good. Happy about this. Uh, if you have not seen yet the room, the finished product, we're going to pray and end our service. You need to go in there and check it out because it is incredible. St- I don't know where Steve went, but man, that guy, there he is. I had no idea. And this is because I do not work any sort of construction whatsoever. I thought floors like that just appeared out of nowhere. Well, okay, this guy's... I, <laughs> But, like, they're built. The floors like that are built. And this man built this floor in here, and it looks awesome. Uh, so if you get a chance after service and before the hospitality meeting, which y'all will be at, come in here, check out the room, see what it's like. You're always free, by the way. This is an open room. Where it's going to be a prayer room. We have stuff in there for missions. We have uh, things in there that you can pray for uh, open doors. Uh, ministry and Forest Grove Missions International. So there's material in there that you can go and pray over if you'd like to pray over that. Or you can just sit in some of the comfortable chairs and pray. That's also where we're now keeping our books for the library. So you can go in there and read. You can go in there and borrow a book. If you do borrow a book, please write your name down and write the title down so we know you've taken it and return it eventually. Uh, So this is sort of a space for us to use now. It was a space that we were just using as a closet. But now, because we are utilizing the gifts of the people in our church, it's a space where we can use to glorify God and to worship and to pray. Yeah, amen. So, so thank you guys. Thank you so much. I want to end on this thought, and that is that uh, the Apostle John, uh, Jesus' disciple John, who wrote the book of John, uh, he was the last apostle to die. And on his deathbed, This is as tradition goes. On his deathbed, his last words were this. He said, Dear children, remember to love one another. Those were his last words. The last words of Jesus, his last living disciple. Dear children, remember to love one another. So I want to end that on that note here with us today. Remember to love one another. When we move forward as one body, we move forward in love with one another. We allow space for others. We move in one accord. We work this out in love. Let's pray together. God, we thank you because we know that you are doing things among us that we cannot do on our own. And I thank you, Lord, because you have gifted each person here. Lord, and and some people here are gifted uh, in, in different ways, and that's good. We thank you, God, for the diversity of our body that you have blessed us with so many different people and different kinds of people and different giftings. And Lord, you have blessed us also with one body, not multiple bodies. We don't have to have all the prophets get together and do their thing while the rest of us do our thing on our own. All the worshipers go do their thing by themselves. We get to share with one another. So help us, Lord. Help us to feel the tension there, to move in one accord, to not uh, move on our own ambition, to move in one accord but at the same time to love one another and to allow space for each other. Please bless those, Lord, who uh, are a part of this body. 
We are so grateful to you for what you've done among us. Thank you, Jesus. Be with us as we go, Lord, and guard us this next week, Jesus. Now to him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Amen. Would you greet somebody next to you? Check out this room. If you'd like to meet with the hospitality.